benches were thrown down, the washing bowl lay broken to pieces, and the quilts and pillows were pulled off the bed. She sought her children, but they were nowhere to be found. She called them one after another by name, but no one answered. At last, when she came to the youngest, a soft voice cried, Dear mother, I am in the clock case. She took the kid out, and it told her that the wolf had come and had eaten all the others. Then you may imagine how she wept over her poor children. At length, in her grief, she went out, and the youngest kid ran with her. When they came to the meadow, there lay the wolf by the tree, and snored so loud that the branches shook. She looked at him on every side, and saw that something was moving and struggling in his gorged belly. Ah, oh, heavens, said she. Is it possible that my poor children, whom he has swallowed down for his supper, can be still alive? Then the kid had to run home and fetch scissors and a needle and thread, and the goat cut open the monster's stomach, and hardly had she made one cut than one little kid thrust its head out, and when she cut farther, all six sprang out one after another, and were all still alive, and had suffered no injury whatever, for in his greediness the monster had swallowed them down whole. What rejoicing there was! They embraced their dear mother and jumped like a sailor at his wedding. The mother, however, said, Now go and look for some big stones, and we will fill the wicked beast's stomach with them while he is still asleep. Then the seven kids dragged the stones thither with all speed, and put as many of them into his stomach as they could get in, and the mother sewed him up again in the greatest haste, so that he was not aware of anything and never once stirred. When the wolf at length had had his sleep out, he got on his legs, and as the stones in his stomach made him very thirsty, he wanted to go to a well to drink. But when he began to walk and move about, the stones in his stomach knocked against each other and rattled. Then he cried, What rumbles and tumbles against my poor bones! I thought twas six kids, but tis naught but big stones! And when he got to the well and stooped over the water and was just about to drink, the heavy stones made him fall in, and there was no help, but he had to drown miserably. When the seven kids saw that, they came running to the spot and cried aloud, The wolf is dead! The wolf is dead! and danced for joy round about the well with their mother. The Pack of Ragamuffins <coughs> The cock once said to the hen, It is now the time when our nuts are ripe, so let us go to the hill together and for once eat our fill before the squirrel takes them all away. Yes, replied the hen. Come, we will have some pleasure together. Then they went away to the hill, and as it was a bright day, they stayed till evening. Now, I do not know whether it was that they had eaten till they were too fat, 
or whether they had become proud, but they would not go home on foot, and the cock had to build a little carriage of nutshells. When it was ready, the little hen seated herself in it and said to the cock, You can just harness yourself to it. I like that, said the cock. I would rather go home on foot than let myself be harnessed to it. No, that is not our bargain. I do not mind being coachman sitting on the box, but drag it myself I will not. As they were thus disputing, a duck quacked to them. <coughs> you thieving folks, who bade you go to my nut hill? Well, you shall suffer for it, and ran with open beak at the cock. But the cock also was not idle, and fell boldly on the duck, and at last wounded her so with his spurs that she also begged for mercy, and willingly let herself be harnessed to the carriage as a punishment. The little cock now seated himself on the box and was coachman, and thereupon they went off in a gallop with, Duck, go as fast as you can! When they had driven a part of the way, they met two foot passengers, a pin and a needle. They cried, Stop, stop! and said that it would soon be as dark as pitch, and then they could not go a step further, and that it was so dirty on the road, and asked if they could not get into the carriage for a while. They had been at the tailor's public house by the gate, and had stayed too long over the beer. As they were thin people who did not take up much room, the cock let them both get in, but they had to promise him and his little hen not to step on their feet. Late in the evening they came to an inn and as they did not like to go further by night, and as the duck also was not strong on her feet and fell from one side to the other, they went in. The host at first made many objections. His house was already full. Besides, he thought they could not be very distinguished persons. But at last, as they made pleasant speeches and told him that he should have the egg which the little hen had laid on the way and should likewise keep the duck, which laid one every day, he at length said that they might stay the night and now they had themselves well served, and feasted, and rioted. Early in the morning, when day was breaking and everyone was asleep, the cock awoke the hen, brought the egg, pecked it open, and they ate it together, but they threw the shell on the hearth. Then they went to the needle which was still asleep, took it by the head and stuck it into the cushion of the landlord's chair, and put the pin in his towel, and at the last, without more ado, they flew away over the heath. The duck, who liked to sleep in the open air, and had stayed in the yard, heard them going away, made herself merry, and found a stream, down which she swam, which was a much quicker way of travelling than being harnessed to a carriage. The host did not get out of bed for two hours after this. He washed himself and wanted to dry himself. Then the pin went over his face and made a red streak from one ear to the other. After this he went into the kitchen and wanted to light a pipe, but when he came to the hearth the eggshell darted into his eyes. Oh, this morning everything attacks my head, said he, and angrily sat down on his grandfather's chair. But he quickly started up again and cried, Woe is me! For the needle had pricked him still worse than the pin, and not in his head. Now he was thoroughly angry, and suspected the guests who had come so late the night before, and when he went and looked about for them they were gone. Then he made a vow to take no more ragamuffins into his house, for they consume much, pay for nothing, and play mischievous tricks into the bargain by way of gratitude.
brother and sister. Little brother took his little sister by the hand and said, Since our mother died, we have had no happiness. Our stepmother beats us every day, and if we come near her, she kicks us away with her foot. Our meals are the hard crusts of bread that are left over, and the little dog under the table is better off, for she often throws it a nice bit. May heaven pity us, if our mother only knew. Come. We will go forth together into the wide world. They walked the whole day over meadows, fields, and stony places, and when it rained the little sister said, Heaven and our hearts are weeping together. In the evening they came to a large forest, and they were so weary with sorrow and hunger and the long walk that they lay down in a hollow tree and fell asleep. The next day when they awoke, the sun was already high in the sky and shone down hot into the tree. Then the brother said, Sister, I am thirsty. If I knew of a little brook, I would go and just take a drink. I think I can hear one running. The brother got up and took the little sister by the hand, and they set off to find the brook. But the wicked stepmother was a witch, and had seen how the two children had gone away, and had crept after them secretly.